we dive in this morning, you're going to notice that the passage I'm going to be talking from is not the passage in your bulletin, and there's a couple of reasons for that. Um, yesterday, in the, the evening, as I was finishing work on the sermon, it just it was not sitting right with me, and that was for a couple of reasons. As I, as I sat down this morning and I went over it, it was almost an hour long, and so I, I did think that maybe that was not the, uh, the, this was not the best Sunday for that, but more than that, it just didn't, it didn't sit right. So I kind of scrapped it this morning, and uh, there are a couple of passages that have been on my heart quite a bit, and I want to share from them instead. And I'm hoping that we'll be blessed by that, and they fit very well with our series right now. So devotionally, I've been going through the book of Proverbs repeatedly, so I thought I would just read it from front to end. This, would that be, that wouldn't put anyone to sleep, would it? I'm just kidding. Um, I've been in it a little bit almost every day, every afternoon in the book of Proverbs. And I'm continually struck by the themes that run straight through the book. This summer, we're going to have a series that's going to kind of focus on the book of Proverbs. It's going to go through several of those themes. You could think of this as a little bit of a foretaste of that. But this morning, I just want to walk you through a few pieces of wisdom found in this book. And so our single sentence sermon summary this morning is this. When we are a blessing to others, we create an opportunity for God to bless us by changing us to be more like him. When we're a blessing to others, we make an opportunity for God to bless us by changing us to be more like him. Now, a quick note as we go through the book of Proverbs. Most of us are familiar at least a little bit with the book of Proverbs. And we know that there's the first 10 chapters are kind of this introduction and this setup for the rest of the book. In the first 10 chapters, Solomon, who's writing the book of Proverbs, is, is trying to convince us of how important wisdom is. And wisdom in the book of Proverbs is something like being good at life, right? Being good at living. And so, so the first 10 chapters kind of introduce us to that. And then the rest of the book, the next 21 chapters, are these series of Proverbs, these sayings. Now we have to be careful with how we read them because if we're not, then we'll read them all like promises. And that's not what they are. You can't look at a proverb and take that as an absolute promise from God that every time you do this, this is what's going to happen. That's not what they're meant to be. They're descriptions of wisdom. Usually they're meant to cause us to dwell on them a bit. And then their meaning becomes clear. But it takes us chewing on them, getting inside them, thinking them through. And then the meaning becomes clear. So the meaning of a proverb isn't always immediately obvious. Sometimes we have to dig a bit. But in my experience, that's always been very beneficial. So we're going to go through a few of them this morning and kind of pick up on a theme. We're going to start with Proverbs chapter 11, verses 24 to 25. Uh, each one that we're going to talk about this morning, I'm going to recommend as something to, to highlight. So the next time you're going through each of these Proverbs this morning, I think are, are powerful and important. Proverbs 11, 24 to 25. It reads this way. One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper, and whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. 
So if you read through the book of Proverbs, it won't be long before you find something like this. On the surface, it seems to be saying this. It seems to be saying that the more of your money you give away, the more money you will get back, right? If you bestow a financial blessing, you will receive a financial blessing. That seems to be how it reads. But that's not actually what it's saying at all. Now, some people will know stories or have experiences of times where something exactly like that happened. In an act of faith, you gave sacrificially to a ministry or to an important cause, and then very shortly thereafter, God blessed you financially, right? It was, it was kind of made up in another area. And we see that as a blessing from God, and I think absolutely that is the case. But it is not always the case. This is not a promise for how God will respond. Hear me. There's absolutely nowhere in Scripture where we should take a promise that if we give financially, God will reward us financially. That's not the way that God usually works. Now, the problem with this is that there are a lot of pastors, very famous pastors, that have made entire ministries on this idea. If you give more, you'll receive more. Please hear me. This is called the health and wealth gospel. And it is a teaching that has absolutely no place in Christian faith. The time that was most frustrating for me to hear, I spent a summer in West Africa in 2006. We spent a month in Ghana and a month in Burkina Faso and a month in Niger. And about half of the churches that we went to this was the primary teaching. I remember in Ghana when there was an altar call and an uh, uh, invitation given out for people to become Christians. And these people who are very, very in need were told, and I wrote it down and I've never forgotten it, that if they will just become Christians and give, then their businesses will succeed, their children won't get sick, their wives won't have miscarriages. It, it shocked me. Because that's, that's not actually how this works. And then I, we went to Burkina Faso, to a place that was, had even greater need than where we had been in Ghana. And we met this gentleman who preached a sermon full of just this. It was entirely about the offering. And we ask, because, you know, you don't want to show up on Offering Sunday and assume that that's all the church talks about. But that was apparently very, very typical. And the entire idea was if you give financially, you're going to receive material blessings from the Lord. That's not what this proverb means. There's another one, though, that says the same truth that's behind this one in a little bit of an easier way for us to see. So I want to I look at that. And this is, I think, the truth behind all those places in Scripture that seem to say something like this. Proverbs eleven seventeen says it this way. Those who are kind benefit themselves, but the cruel bring ruin on themselves. Let me say that again. Those who are kind benefit themselves, but the cruel bring ruin on themselves. This is what Jesus is talking about when he wraps a towel around his waist and he gets down and he washes his disciples' feet, the apostles' feet. 
And he says to them at the end of that, he says, I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. And now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. There's a blessing that comes from blessing others. In other words, there's a benefit to being a blessing. And it's the greatest benefit that a person can receive. When Jesus talks about treasure in heaven, I think this is what he means. And here it is. When we bless another person, we make an opportunity for God to change us to be more like him. You see, we're all created to be angled mirrors, right? To reflect God's goodness into the world. That's our purpose as human beings. But because of sin, we've fallen. We're not very good at that. We're twisted and warped inside. And we have this disease, this sin sickness, that makes us so much less than we were meant to be. It causes us to be selfish and uncharitable and self-righteous. We all have the same disease. We all have this sin sickness, but the symptoms are different for each of us. Some of us, we sin impulsively. We see people and things of this world as opportunities for us to get what we want and we desire. Some of us get this, this sinful hardness. We think we deserve the things that we have, and we look at other people as opponents. We're unwilling to be vulnerable and determined to not let anyone get anything over on us. And some of us, we get this disdainful attitude toward others. We see their struggles, and we think somehow we're better than they are because we're tempted differently than they are. I've heard it said, and I think it's absolutely true, that no temptation is easier to resist than someone else's temptation, right? You can always resist the temptations that are someone else's. And if only those people would learn to be as good as us, they wouldn't struggle like they do. You see, we tend to, we tend to, to struggle in each of those ways, but as I, as I describe them, one of them probably resonated a little bit more with you. But when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are changed. We're forgiven and we're made right before God. We receive his Holy Spirit and his Holy Spirit begins to work on us and change us, transform us to become more like him. But we have to cooperate with his spirit. We cooperate through our choices and we participate in our own transformation, the things that we do matter. It's the place where opportunities are made for God to change us. And that's what Proverbs is telling us. When we're a blessing to others, we create an opportunity for God to bless us by changing us to be more like him. And sometimes this happens very quickly. Sometimes this youth you, you work at this for a little while and you see great growth. For some people, it takes a very, very long time for growth is seen because we can't manipulate God. We can't force him to change us the way that we want to. We wait on him to do the work. But this, being a blessing, acts of holiness and generosity, 
That's how we make a, a space, create an opportunity for those changes to happen. Now, there's a, a million examples on how this looks in the book of Proverbs. I want to I zero in on a few of them. We'll go through a few of them this morning. The first one is this, Proverbs 15, 17. Proverbs 15, 17. It says this. Better a small serving of vegetables with love than a fattened calf with hatred. Better a small serving of vegetables with love than a fattened calf with hatred. We have this challenge that we're going through, to be hospitable. As a church, we're taking up this challenge and to invite others into our homes and to share a meal with them. I hope that you've already done that. I hope that you've already gotten started. If not, it's not too late. The excuse of the relief sale is coming up is no longer available. So if you haven't got moving, you need to do so. You need to do so. We want to challenge you to do this every week, to have someone in your home. Now, I received a question about this last week, and it's one of the things that got me thinking about giving this message instead of the other. What if we want to invite others in, but we don't have a great deal to share? What if we want to invite others in, but, but we feel like what we have to offer is shabby compared to what they normally have available? I'd encourage you to remember this proverb. If you've struggled with that, if you're worried about your home not being impressive enough, if you're worried about your ability to prepare a meal not being impressive enough, I'd encourage you to remember this proverb. To be invited in and loved is a tremendous blessing to the person who receives it. So maybe you don't have the home that you wish that you did before you invited someone over. Maybe it's not as clean as you want to be, and it's not going to get that way soon. Maybe you're worried that the person you're inviting in is used to bigger or nicer meals than you're likely to be able to provide. I'd encourage you to put that worry away. It's you that's the blessing. And when you open your home this way and you give your time and you become a blessing, you'll begin to see a change. It'll happen in your relationship with this person and it'll change the way you see the person you've blessed. It'll change the way, eventually, that you see yourself, the way you see the world and the people around you. Sometimes, as I said before, the change comes very quickly. Other times it takes a long time. But either way, God is faithful. And when you obey, when you become a blessing, you'll begin to see the world and the people around you through the eyes of Jesus Christ. Now, it's important to be wise with the way that you do these invitations. I wanted to take a moment to say this as well. We've talked about this being an opportunity for reconciliation. My encouragement is, if, if you have someone in mind, if there's a rift, and this is an opportunity for that, you need to make sure you're ready to do that before you invite the person to a meal. It would not be a good thing to bring someone to a meal and have it end in a fight. Make sure you're ready for reconciliation. And also be wise with who you invite. I know some of you live alone. I would encourage you to think very carefully before you invite someone of the opposite gender to share a meal with you. Understand that that person may feel like that's a date and not just a dinner. And be wise about that. 
Be wise about who you share this invitation with, but then I encourage you to share it. I want to look at one more proverb. Gracious words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. It's Proverbs 16.24. Gracious words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Can you relate to that? Can you think of a time that the right person said the right thing at the right moment and it had a tremendous effect on you? Do you know those people who just always seem to be encouraging? They just, they just do it without, without thinking. It seems like it's not work. It just sort of flows out of them. And you see the way that they affect the people around them. What if you could be that person? And maybe you're thinking, well, my, this, is, this is harder than it looks. You know, I try to only say nice things, but complaining comes out without me wanting it to, or, or I want to say nice things, but they just sound so strange coming from me. People don't expect them. Let me tell you, if that's a hang-up for you, please hear me. You're wrong. The kind word coming from you will be a blessing, and no one will think, wow, that was strange for them to say something nice. What if we used our words as tools What if we thought of every word that we speak as a tool and it was either going to build a person up or tear a person down? What if we thought about them that way? And then if we looked at the way we use our words, we asked ourselves, what are we doing? How are we using our tools? Are we building up or tearing down? My encouragement to you, I received this challenge from one of my students a number of years ago and it was hard to even begin to try, to change the way I used my words, and instead of teasing or or jokingly pull people down, instead attempt to raise people up and just encourage. But the effort, well, I'm still not very good at it most of the time, the effort has been fruitful because I've experienced a blessing that comes from it. Somewhere, Somewhere the way that I see people has changed Somewhat, And I think that that could happen for you, too. You see, as you're a blessing to someone else, as you speak life and encouragement and blessing to them, you'll see that something happens. God will take that space and use it to change you. Hmm. Now, again, of course, be wise. Right? Not every kind thing or, or positive thing is appropriate to say at every time. But if you make this intentional to be a blessing to others, I think you'll be shocked at the change that you see happen in you. When we are a blessing to others, we create an opportunity for God to bless us by changing us to be more like him. So this is my encouragement to you this morning. I just went through those two. I had a a few more, but I think we'll stop there. You'll get more of this this summer. First, I'd love to encourage you to read the book of Proverbs. Hopefully you're going through our Bible reading plan. I would encourage you to stick with that. If you want to add something to it, or if you haven't gotten into it and you're having a hard time with it, try the book of Proverbs. I think you'll be blessed by it. You'll see these themes that run all the way through it. But regardless, I want to encourage you here. If you can be intentional about being a blessing, 
whether that's financially or with your time, whether it's through hospitality or with your words, however that looks. Watch how it affects the people you bless. And then watch what God does in you through the blessing. And I think you'll see that God is always faithful. He's always working. And he's always changing us. Pray with me. Father God, we come before you thankful for blessings, Lord. We love you and we praise you. And we ask for you to give us wisdom and courage as we need them, Lord. To be a blessing to those around us. To share in the life that you give to us with others. To give words to your love for them. To show that love through our actions. To bless. To bless as a reflex and not an effort. And then, Lord, to see how you change us to be more like you. We pray this in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen.